time for Spooky, the Spooky Podcast. Chris L. Dillon and Shane K. Witty. Here we are. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You're listening to Spooky. The Spooky Podcast. We're back for another episode to spook you out. Get your get your year started off on the right spooky foot. We uh, got some, we got some, we got some spooks for you today, but and and it's timely and topical too. But we'll get into that later. Uh, my name is Chris L. Dillon, and I'm Shane K. Whitty. How was your week, buddy? Oh, wasn't too bad. Kind of, you know, all the the mischief and the mayhem of the holidays is finally over. My wallet. Um, Finally has a Band-Aid on it. Uh, you know, it hemorrhaged quite a bit. Yeah. But it's about to get an infusion on payday. <laughs> and it doesn't immediately all have to go out. Oh, nice. I mean, still like, you know, 85% of it has to go out. But, you know, that 15% I get to keep. All right. Get to look at for a couple of days. You're like, hey, I remember what this looks like. I can't. Re- I can't remember if if I talked about it before, but I've got a new um, traveler. No, I don't think you have. And so he's talking the other day, and he's no. We did talk about this. We did talk about this last week. So never mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that was like totally incoherent, but said the generals had to call the oh, Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. so, so no, we, we already talked about that. About that. We got to keep better notes <laughs> on <laughs> what we talk about. <laughs> well, and the funny part is, is that because uh, uh, right now we're, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to, I have to leave town for a little bit, and uh, just for like a month or something, and. Because of that, we're kind of uh, recording more than usual so that we can make sure that you guys have episodes even during that time when we can't record. And uh, so this stuff might not even get, like, in the right order. Like, in the order that we record them, they might not get posted. So it's entirely possible that if you're hearing this, you might not have heard this story, but it's been told. So... If that's the case, it's it's coming. <laughs> the story's coming. Maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're amateurs, people. Cut us some slack. <laughs> we got to work around real life. You know, like kids' schedules. Yeah. Oh, crap. Did I pull out the meat to defrost <laughs> for dinner tonight? Right. Yeah. Just I did. Like I that. did. Just, just so you know. Nice. I, okay. Good. Yeah. I have not. I have not done anything of that nature. Um, yeah. So uh. <laughs> it was just a. It was just a. Last week's been a pretty just me week. You know. I mean, I'm happy. I'm. You know. Well, I'm sure that everybody can hear me smoking when I go to smoke. So I can't say healthy. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. I'll get to it. I got a whole year. 
Yeah, I'm planning on doing the same. But. Yeah, I'm 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 turning into that that old man. You first wake up and you're like, oh, okay. So my core workout today will be the same as yesterday, and that's where I'm coughing so hard. My abs are getting worked out, so it's good. So I just got to clean up my diet, and then I. Th- I, I think I'm going to be ready for beach season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've gotten to that age now where uh, I'm, you know, just any sort of movements from like, from like prone or from like sitting. If I'm standing up, like I, uh, uh, I involuntarily make noises, and uh, and I'm just taking that as a positive. I'm taking it as you know, my body is, uh, you know, uh, putting in work. Where it can. That's the sound of wisdom. Yeah. So when I stand up and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, it's like that's that's my body just getting in its little, getting in a rep. And your <laughs> and your knee pops seventeen <coughs> times in the in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Getting older's fun. It's great. <laughs> Boy. <clears throat> Benjamin Button had it all wrong. <laughs> aging backwards, so you start feeling better. That's no Freak. fun. That's no fun. <laughs> I uh, let's see. I uh, I'm at I would say about seventy five percent capacity in hearing right now. Um, That's finally it's finally clearing up. Starting to I think. Are you getting like that weird like bubble noise that goes on when it's clearing up? Oh, all the time. Yeah, all <laughs> you're like all, uh, yeah, and it makes your eyes do weird things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, uh, like last night, I woke up and um, if uh, I, I think we talked about this previously, but again, if you hadn't heard it, uh, I ended up with a uh, uh, I want to say an ear infection, but the doctor said it wasn't an ear infection. Um, but all I know is that I was uh, my ear filled up with stuff, and I was in like the worst pain of my life. Um, and uh, to the point where you know I. Yeah, I'm still confused by the whole thing. Dehydration yeah. led for your ear to get plugged up. Is he leaking water out of his yeah, ear? Just, I was just that dehydrated, apparently. You know, and they put like a uh, couple of bags of saline in me, and uh, you know, filled me up with the uh, pain medication. So that that did the trick as far as like me being in pain. But you know, for the past week, I've been dealing with my ear still being like, clogged up, and now it's. You know, now I can hear it rolling around in there. And then that fucks up my equilibrium, too, sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, at the doctor's office, let's see, I I would never go as far as say I'm a nice guy. Uh, I try and be pleasant with people. I try and be cordial with people, especially people who are trying to help me. Um, you know, from from the doctor, nurse, all the way down to waiters and waitresses. I, I, I at least try and be pleasant and cordial with people. Yes. I've been in those positions. Not a doctor. But... You're helping somebody else out, and when they're pricks, that sucks. However, I was at a point of being in so much pain and had been in so much pain that I think there were there were instances where uh, maybe I wasn't the most uh, pleasant of, of people. I, I do recall one instance in particular when they took my blood pressure, and they were like, "Oh, your your blood pressure is really elevated, like very quizzically, like hmm hmm, what's this?" And again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. I'm sure that probably could mean a bunch of different things. But what came out of my mouth was, was, uh, 
You think? You think maybe my blood pressure might be up, considering I walked in here telling you that I'm in, like, the worst pain I've ever been in my life? Do you think one might have to do with the other? Maybe? I don't know. Can we concentrate on my ear right now? Isn't that, like, the first day of medical school? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Stress, I've never ca- been. stress causes your blood pressure to go up. I just, what? I just told you that I woke up at 3 in the morning in writhing fucking pain, and it's now 8 a.m., and I managed to drag myself over here. I just need some help. Please help me. Uh, beep, 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 yeah. beep. But that's what they told me is that I did not have an ear infection. Uh, that I was so dehydrated that because um, I, I had been nursing a cold uh, for because that's another nice thing about getting older is that I, I recall in my youth when I would get a cold or the flu, I would go down to Bob's Burgers. Which is an actual real thing here in Albuquerque. Yeah. Uh, not the cartoon, not, not the cartoon, cartoon people. It's a franchise. Here I go in to Bob's where they have uh, the fish. best green chili yeah. in town. It's the best, but it is also, I would warrant to people who are not natives, it is the nuclear option. And so uh, generally that's my cure when I have a colder flu. And in my youth, I would just go down there and I'd eat a ranchero burger, fill my face up with green chili, and usually that'd knock that shit right out of my face. Oh, yeah. Um, that knocks everything out of your face. It yeah. damn near takes your eyes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how does Bob's Burgers have the best green chili? This makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. But now, now that I'm uh, aged, a little older, uh, something that I could knock out in a day or two now lasts uh, three weeks. So uh, apparently that's what happened is that I was still nursing that out and then uh, got up into my ears and I was so dehydrated that, I don't know, I'm must like just solidified in there or something and i'm still trying to clear it out so that's that's pleasant did you do uh, the hydrogen peroxide thing i did a couple of times and uh like doesn't I said, it feel weird it does. like you're sitting there and it's all fizzing in there you're like what is it breaking up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there a roach in there or something did i get a did i <laughs> Is Charlotte laying her web in my ear? <laughs> she doesn't like the hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> it's definitely a weird <laughs> sensation. But yeah, so I've been, uh, uh, they put like two saline bags in me, IV style. And then ever since I've been uh, just pouring water and Powerade down my throat, trying to stay hydrated. And Do you at least get a, you know, um, a Powerade that's an actual flavor found in nature? Uh, I'm a what's, big... What's your Powerade flavor? Pretty much my flavor of anything like Powerade or Kool-Aid or any of those AIDS is usually, uh, grape. Okay. I'm a grape fella. Sometimes orange I'll do. Orange. Yeah, oh. I'm feeling fancy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get all crazy with, like, the kiwi strawberry or any of that kind of stuff. I do, I mean, I'll admit I like the taste of blue. Um, I don't know that that's a particular flavor, but there is like a Gatorade. It is. It's called Cool Blue, and then they also have Fierce Blue. Oh, Fierce okay. Blue. Yeah, I, like, I, I gravitate. Is that I like gravitate, indigo? <laughs> yeah, I, I gravitate towards blue flavored drinks for some reason. I'm surprised I didn't die from drinking a bottle of Windex when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> it looks so delicious. It looks delicious. It does. It looks, it looks cool and refreshing. Uh, and, and I think and I think that has to do with uh, a sonic drive-in. 
Uh, um, the ocean big, water. I'm a big proponent of the ocean water, mm. which is just Sprite with uh, blue carousel in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes with really cool ice. It's that crushed ice, man. Sonic ice, man. Sonic ice. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. So I've been dealing with that, and uh, even at, right now, as I speak, there's a weird echo in my head because um, all the sounds just kind of gets trapped and bounces around, I guess. Uh, but I'm slowly getting better. It hasn't helped my irritability. Uh, I went last night to uh, my, my my son wanted uh, some restaurant uh, spaghetti and meatballs, and so uh, we went out to uh, we went out to an Italian restaurant. The first one we went to. Uh, I left in a huff <laughs> because we walked in and stood there and the lady, uh, I'm assuming who worked there, she was wearing a shirt that had the <laughs> name of the place on it. Uh, she walked by us about five or six times, saw us, uh, never even acknowledged us, but just kind of kept doing whatever she was doing. Like pretty much just ignored us. And, uh, I got angry, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to say anything really on that scenario. So I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'll just take my business elsewhere. So I went three blocks down the road to another Italian restaurant where it took him another five minutes to seat us and another 15 minutes to even take our order. And by that time I was, uh, pretty, pretty irritated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going to the grocery store, you can get whatever kind of SpaghettiOs you want, kiddo. Oh, look, here's SpaghettiOs with meatballs. <laughs> yeah, there you much. go. But we ended up sticking around in that place because I didn't want to go anywhere else. It started raining, and I, I didn't feel like uh, me being in a bit of a rage and driving around in, in the rain with my son in the car was not was not a good combination. So I did so. I just, Especially since here in Albuquerque, it was the fifth longest dry spell ever. Yeah, it was yeah. ninety six days officially. Yeah, yeah. So of no measurable precipitation. I'm just happy because I don't have to dig out fucking cornflakes out of my nose. Right. <laughs> it's been so dry, so dry. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that'll also help with my uh, my current situation. Oh. Well, a little, a little humidity in the air. There you go. Yeah. Which was another thing that <laughs> <laughs> was just just added, added to my anger is that I... Uh, Two days ago, I I remembered. I was like, "Oh yeah, I I own a humidifier, and that will probably help." And so I went and I dug the humidifier out, filled it up with water, set it you know set it up, turned it on, starts pumping that sweet steam out. And uh, about five minutes later, I look over at it and I realize it's now only half full. <laughs> this humidifier does not work that well. It is not pumped half a gallon into the air in five minutes. <laughs> It's not a water sprinkler. No. Clank. Yeah, and that's when I discovered that my humidifier has a pretty significant leak in uh, it. And so half a gallon of water has now <laughs> poured into the carpet. So that went in the trash. <laughs> hey, at least that spot on the carpet's going to be nice and clean. Yeah, right. It smell like Vic's vapor rub. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of what I've been dealing with. But uh, I, uh, I don't know. I watch a few movies. <laughs> you? Yeah, man. Well, yeah. I mean, especially you give me a opportunity to 
an extra opportunity to just sit on my couch and watch a movie, yeah, I'm going to do it. Although I, I did it with headphones with one one earbud in the good ear. <laughs> Converted to mono when I could. Um, <laughs> That's what you should do is like download like a DJ Magic Mike bass CD from the early 90s, <laughs> cram your earbuds in, and then just crank it, and it'll shake whatever's <laughs> loose inside there. With the quickness. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, as of today, I'm two weeks out from out, uh, having to leave town. Uh, it's some training i got to do. But in uh, that, that comes with its own stresses and worries and all that kind of stuff. So everything just sort of kind of piled up on me in, in that regard. And so I've been... Uh, not the happiest Chris. That <laughs> You're I getting can. better, though. I am. You don't look like death warmed over anymore. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, you, know, you look like Luke with uh, <laughs> lukewarm death, but <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> getting there. I'm getting there. Getting a little bit of your pallor back. <laughs> that's good. A little bit of that color back. Um, but let's see. So movies I watched. Uh, I watched The Disaster Artist. Well, was it good? It was pretty good. I actually really, really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I feel like the movie, I think they played it a little too safe. Like, the the performances are incredible. Did you, like, know the story before Not as this much. movie? Not no? As mu- no, I didn't really. I had seen The Room. If, if you guys don't know, The Disaster Artist is based off of a book that uh, was written by... Uh, one of the, uh, it was like the best friend of Mammoth named Tommy Wiseau. I believe we've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before. And they made a movie called The Room, which to many is considered the best worst movie ever made. Now, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that. Uh, it's definitely up there. I'd give it a number two, at least. Because I tend to, I tend to feel like Birdemic Shock and Terror is the best worst movie ever made. Uh, but that's semantics. <laughs> I um, literally have a blank look on my face right now. I'm just smiling and nodding. <laughs> oh, okay. Like I said, like I said before, you need to see what those movies. What did you movies. call it? Verdemic what? Birdemic. Birdemic? Yeah, like birds. Okay. Birdemic. Shock and Terror okay. is the name of the movie. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the other one is The Room. Uh, I've said before, if you're going to watch those movies, and you should, everyone should see those movies, but don't. Watch them by yourself, because that's just plain torture. Both of those movies are essentially master classes and not and how not to make a movie. I can't find a frame in either one of those. Oh, especially Birdemic. I can't find a frame that isn't inept. Um, <laughs> their sound is bad. It's like is it so bad that you think like they intentionally did that, or they just really didn't know what they were doing. Uh, no, they just really didn't know what they were doing because I, I, that's that's actually what makes those movies they get into the so bad it's good category is because of the sincerity of the filmmakers and uh, at least initially because like in the case of Birdemic, uh the guy who directed it he very much thought he was making like an important film. Uh, <laughs> And then when it released, obviously nobody gave a shit about it, but then when people re- recognized the entertainment value of seeing it with other people and, you know, just kind of riffing on it and joking through it and 
um, it's a good way to spend an evening. Like initially, I guess he was hurt because he didn't understand. But then once he kind of realized uh, the direction it was going, uh, you know, his eyes opened and then he ended up making a sequel. It was Birdemic 2. And that one is, it's basically a copy of Birdemic, but now they're in on the joke. And so it's not, uh. it's, it's not good at all. Um, and I imagine the same thing probably happens with Tommy Wiseau. I haven't seen any of the stuff that he's done since, uh, the room hit. Um, cause it got pretty big. And then obviously the, you know, his partner wrote the book about Tommy, wrote it about making the movie. And then James Franco and crew, uh, you know, made, uh, you know, their movie based off of his book, The Disaster Artist, which I guess James Franco won um, yeah, a won Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. I don't know what for, but uh, I had to, I, I'm not an awards show watcher, so I'd heard about it later. Um, James Franco wants to sell you everything. Yeah, everything. That's okay. Open the magazine, like, I'm James Franco. Here's this watch that you should have. Hi, I'm James Franco. I got some cologne here for that's sale. What you got? That's fine. Oh. I appreciate I appreciate James Franco and I appreciate his hustle. Do you like good on him? Do you like Buick? Because I'm James Franco and I'm driving a Buick right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, no, the movie, the performances are fucking fantastic in this movie, and um, they they did a uh, phenomenal job in recreating some of the scenes from the movie from the room. Um, you can tell that there is genuine like affection and respect for uh the source material in the film and when i say that i feel like it, they played it a little safe is that while the performances are there the recreations are there and all that kind of stuff the movie itself uh it's just it's kind of flat as far as um like visually it's really flat and uh i don't know i mean the film itself you could probably you know it, it could have been a tv movie for all I, I know, uh, there wasn't anything special about that, like, visually. Yeah. Um, which I think they could have probably played with a little more. Uh, but it's fine. Like, it's it's a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I recommend it. You don't even need to see it. have a scene of the room to, uh, to watch The Disaster Artist. But I can tell you right now, by the end of The Disaster Artist, you're going to want to watch the room. And, and I've heard around that the big problem, the, the biggest problem that they've had around the release of this movie is that people who haven't seen the room and don't know anything about Tommy Wiseau, uh, they they've walked out of the movie going, "This is this has to be fiction. Like, there's no way this is a real, this is an actual guy. This they had to have made all of this up." But apparently, it's not the case. Like, it's very true to life. I mean, Tommy Wiseau himself is. Uh, you know, has been like with the marketing and things like that. He's he's been hanging around with James Franco and going on the talk shows and all that kind of stuff. And he is a real life crazy person and uh, a fascinating character to boot. I don't know. We might have talked about this before, but you know, even to this day, with after the room being released, after the disaster artist, the book being released, and then the movie, him going on talk shows and all that kind of stuff. Uh, still to this day, no one knows where he comes from, because he has this very strange accent that no one can place. It seems Eastern European, but it's yeah. murky. Um, 
he is independently wealthy, apparently like crazy amounts of money that this guy has. But nobody knows how he made the money, if he inherited it, or if it was something he did before. Um, and nobody knows how old he is. Uh, I mean, in the room itself, it looks like he's... If I were to hazard a guess when he made the room, I would say that he's probably pushing 50. But no one knows for sure. <laughs> uh, they even have in uh, uh, in the film where uh, the character played by uh, Dave Franco, um, who's his partner making the movie, like he doesn't even know this stuff. And he even asks him on a couple occasions, you know, how old are you? And... He's, his response is always, I'm the same age as you. And he's like, I'm 18. There's no way you're fucking 18. There's no way. <laughs> and he's like, well, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, and he just kind of goes on to something else. Um, so it's really fascinating. It's pretty good. I watched that, and I watched uh, Dunkirk. Oh, was it good? It was real good. I really want to see it. It's fantastic. But I just don't really have a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> It's just really good, uh, but I uh, I watched it, enjoyed it. It was well made, well acted, well produced, and then it was over, and I went on with my day. <laughs> I'm trying to secure a mandate with my buddy, who is also a huge World War. He's more of a World War One buff, but he also appreciates World War Two. I want to go see that new Churchill movie oh, yeah, with yeah. Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. It looks like the transformation that he did for that is incredible. Yeah. At least just from the pictures and video that I've seen so far. I thought, you know, it was weird because I, t- I thought that that was out already. No, it's out. It's just trying to get you know, No, I mean, like, like uh, I, thought it, I thought it came out, like, in the summer. But uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe it got pushed back or something. Yeah, but, no. I'm a huge World War II buff, especially yeah. the European theater. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's one I'm looking forward to. I think, you know, tomorrow, me and the, me and the missus, we're going to go get some Pitch Perfect 3 on. Nice, nice. Give me some Anna Kendrick. Yeah. You still got to go see some Star Wars. Still got to do that. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Still Which, again, see, once, still when, when you do... Still got to see Logan. Logan's still in theaters, right? Uh, no, that's out on DVD. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Might be in the dollar theaters. No, I think it's past that. <laughs> no, it's even past the dollar theater. Like, nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is crap. <laughs> I have yet to see the uh, um, the black and white version, which I understand is pretty cool, because that was the original vision of the director was to do it in black and white, uh, but the studios wouldn't let him re- release it like that. But my understanding is is that when they uh, uh, put it out on DVD, uh, the DVD has both versions on it. Oh, nice. So, uh, I, but I just haven't sat down and watched it. So, so it was that way. I like. It- the budget was so big was because he was shooting it both black and white and color. 
Well, no, I think it's just a conversion process. You know, they just do they have like shoot a du- color and then desaturate it. Do they have like a double barrel camera, <laughs> so they don't have to like completely refilm the whole thing <laughs> simultaneously? The recording in black and white and color. <laughs> Actually, in uh, 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 bringing it back to the disaster artist, that was another one of the crazy things that happens in the movie. Is because I guess Tommy Wiseau ended up spending. I think it was. I think they said it was over five million dollars to make this movie, which is bananas. Uh, especially once you see the film, you're like, "Where did that five million dollars go?" Uh, but they answer that question a little bit in the movie, is because uh, you know, generally in situations like that, when you have you know maybe it's just a couple of guys who want to make a movie, they wrote a script. Yeah. You know, they they end up going and hiring a crew, renting the equipment, uh, and you know, auditions for the actors and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what he did. But instead of renting the equipment. He purchased all of it uh, from a rental house. They, you know, they w- they went into the rental house and the people were like, "Oh, this is what you're going to want to rent." And he was like, "No, I just want to buy it." <laughs> and they were like, "That's crazy. Nobody does that." And he's like, "Yeah, that's what I'm going to do." And they're like, "Well, do you want to shoot on film or on digital?" And he's like, "Both." And they're like, "That's two, like pretty much two different setups." And he's like, "Yeah, I want both. I want to purchase both, and I want you to film simultaneously in digital and film." Man, I'm yeah, a that's genius. We're going to make a movie about me in 15 years. Sweet. But I guess that's what they did. I don't know. I don't know if the version that we ended up seeing was the digital version or the film version or what happened to whatever didn't get released. Or maybe it's a mixture of the two. Who knows? Uh, we'll find out on the Blu-ray commentary. Yeah, probably. Well, I need to actually sit down and read The Disaster Artist because now I'm, now, I'm, uh, now I'm interested. Because uh, the, the story is just crazy. Um, like I was saying, people people just felt it wasn't believable, uh, but I guess it did happen. So, all right. Well, yeah, seems like pretty good week for both of us. Yeah, for minus the, most part. The, the illness. Yeah. So now we're gonna d- today's topic is rather serious. Yeah, it's spooky, but it's. Still serious. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. So I think in this episode we're probably going to end up spending a little more time on it than we generally do on topics because we tend to BS a lot and then get what? into spooky. You BS. I'm BS. <laughs> I bring the truth. Uh, but we. Uh, this one. Yeah. I think we should probably spend a little more time on. It. So we're going to BS a little less than usual and talk about <laughs> this. Um, like, like I said at the top of it, it's a. Uh, it's it's topical. It's timely. Um, and it uh, revolves around a guy that I actually didn't even know anything about. I had never heard of him until last week. Um, and it's a guy by the name of Logan Paul. Now, in my research, uh, Logan Paul is this early 20s California nitwit who started his career a few years back on uh, Vine. Okay. He was a Viner, and I guess he was one of the biggest Viners on the planet. Uh, I never myself got into Vine, um, and I didn't really watch a whole lot of Vines, because that was the thing where it was like, you had like, like I, 10 seconds or something to like, you could just like film something for like 10 seconds, and then that you posted it. Okay, yeah, no, but, we'll go with that. And then it blew up, like. People were all over Vine, and then just maybe, was it two years ago, Vine just shut down. Yeah. Which made no sense to anybody. 
Um, cause it was it like, actually made more news closing down. Like, I knew more about it when it was closing down than when right? it was up and running. Come on. What? thing called Vine? What's that? Yeah. Oh, well, Are you talking about the Vines? They're pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> So you know a lot of a lot of people, I guess, on the platform. You know, they kind of they they started little careers of just doing these little. I keep saying ten seconds. I don't know if that's accurate, uh, but however long it is, it was definitely it was less than twenty, I think. But whatever it was, so they make their little videos, and and you know, I'll, I'll give them the fact that they if they they were clever enough to make a compelling, entertaining video with that short amount of time, good on them. And I guess this guy Logan Paul was like the king of that shit but when vine closed down he basically moved to youtube okay and he became one of the fastest growing youtube stars uh i I don't know if he's surpassed pewdiepie yet uh as far as like subscribers and views but if he hasn't then he's he's approaching um essentially essentially this guy uh, makes millions of dollars per year uh, just dicking around with a camera on a daily basis. He's he's become a, a, a vlogger. And so it's just like, I'm Logan Paul and this is what I'm doing today. And usually that involves him being a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Running around. You know, just this very sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's very bro culture to the point where he put out a terrible song and video called Everyday Bro. Oh, talking Jesus about Christ. how he makes videos every day, bro. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was blissfully unaware of all of this. You're going to come into my town and show your ass. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess he has a brother. Uh, I don't know what his brother's name is, but his brother is on like a Disney Channel show, and uh, he also is on YouTube, and they make stuff together. And I don't know, it's a whole thing. And they and I guess they've had little controversies, uh, yeah, over the past year, um, of him doing things that uh, people are like, yeah, this is probably not. Uh, Let's. Uh, the softest word we could use is appropriate. <laughs> uh, I, I know of one situation uh, that happened, I guess, over the summer, where he uh, there was a they they have like conventions for like YouTube. This yeah. Is a convention called VidCon. Okay. And um, I guess he there was a little bit of controversy with him because they, they you know they sort of have rules with these guys uh, or in any sort of convention if it is it's like. You know, you want to kind of limit the access of famous people to the general public because that can go kind of haywire. And, you know, because you're thinking of the safety of not only the famous person, but of, you know, the people who have come to see them. Yeah. And he did a thing where he, there was a, a huge crowd uh, gathered around at this convention and he made himself known that he was there. He filmed it and then he ended up running around and sort of started a parade of crazed screaming fans running through uh you know around the outside of the building i guess the building had a, like a big fountain that he ended up like uh running it he like jumped into the fountain and then all these fans also jumped into the fountain 
there might have been like uh, I think there was damage to property and some people got kind of yeah. trampled and it was like there, there was that controversy and then a few months later he did a thing where he was in a hotel room that I think it was a hotel room or something where he was on like the third floor of a building that the building had uh, uh, floor to ceiling windows and so people had found out that he was in the building and a, a crowd gathered outside to see if they could catch a glimpse of him and then he set up a quote-unquote prank where he walked up to the window he waved at everybody you know everybody's freaking out screaming and all that kind of thing and then he had a friend of his walk up behind him with a i think it was a ski mask on and a shotgun and pretended to shoot him in the head with a shotgun <laughs> they sprayed fake blood all over the window uh whole thing and a whole bunch of people witnessed what they thought was the murder of Logan Paul. And then it's, oh, it's just a prank, bro. It's just a prank kind of thing. So it's had those sort of controversies. And again, I've been blissfully unaware. <laughs> but very recently, uh, the controversy with him reached a boiling point because he decided to go to Japan and... Um, visiting in Japan. He's still making his videos. Uh, he made a video where he uh, just being a real piece of shit in Tokyo. Uh, which actually was... And he knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. Because at the beginning of it, you know, he's standing there with his friends and he's like, oh, we're, you know, we're in Japan now and we got... You know, we got to, uh, you know, kind of watch what we do and what we say because we know that Japanese culture is very... Uh, uh, they're all about respect and stuff like that. So we need to be very respectful. Cut to him and his buddies running around the streets in fucking kimonos, jumping on people's, uh, like, bike carts. <laughs> um, throwing big plush pokeballs at people, saying, I choose you! And just just random people who are just standing on the street and they're chucking these plush balls at their heads and then basically being like, what? We're just making a video. That sort of thing. And then it all culminated in him making a video where he went to the uh, Okigahara forest, which is also known as the suicide forest. Yeah. Um, and I guess the idea behind the video was just going to be him and his buddies just checking out the place. Uh, and in true Logan Paul fashion, he puts on his fucking stupid hat, which is like a frog, like one of those Laplander hats. And they just start making jokes and running around the forest until they come upon an actual dead body hanging from a tree. Someone who had recently killed himself within the, the past, the, you know, the, the, the past day or two. And then they proceeded to film the dead body as much as they possibly could, um, stand around it, talk about it, joke about it. Um, and then release the video the very next day. Showing fully the dead body. I mean, he did He did blur out the face. Okay. But... But... A lot of shots of the dead body. To the point where he even actually put the blurred out face dead body in the thumbnail of the video. <laughs> Jesus. Oh... Um, obviously the, uh, uh, the reaction was swift <laughs> in the YouTube community, but surprisingly there was no reaction from YouTube itself. 
because it was a Logan Paul video, you know, they, they deal with all kinds of weird algorithms and all this other kind of thing yeah. on how they promote stuff. Um, it's all kind of within the system. Nobody, there's not like a person who sits there and goes, oh, this, this video, this is a top trending video or whatever. Um, that's all kind of done in the system. So the video becomes a top trending video. So it's on the front page of YouTube for, I think it was a couple of days. Um, people were flagging it, complaining about it, sending emails to YouTube, sending emails to him. Um, and it took, I think it was two days. Logan Paul himself ended up taking the video down. Uh, YouTube didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, and then he released a kind of half-ass apology. One of those like, I'm sorry if you were offended. Yeah, basically, which, you know, he caught a lot of shit for that. And then within, I think it was another day or two, he released another apology, which seemed a lot more sincere and basically saying, I fucked up real bad and I apologize and it'll never happen again. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's important to say that he did, he did say in the video that he's like, if you're a fan of mine, if you follow me and my channel, um, don't defend me because what I did was indefensible. Uh, but it's just kind of, it's it's reached this sort of fever pitch on YouTube right now. Because, obviously, other people are making videos about it, uh, mm. about the situation. They're, those people are now dealing with Logan Paul fans who are in their comment sections sending um, death threats, rape threats. Uh, just saying just the worst stuff you possibly could to these people. Uh, how dare you say anything bad about Logan Paul? Um, um, it it always fascinates me when the fans like lose their mind. Yeah, on one end or the other, whether they're they're trolling or whether they're defending. Just some of the times, I'm like, "Do you hear yourself right now?" Yeah, it's the anonymity of the internet gives some people a real sense of power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's a little crazy. Um, most recent, the, the most recent update of the video uh, controversy is that YouTube finally put out a statement about it, and uh, their statement is ludicrous because <laughs> they are basically like, uh, you know, we sorry you haven't heard from us in the past like week. Uh, you know, we've been trying to decide you know, how we're going to approach this. We want to listen to everybody and kind of figure out what's the best thing to do. Uh, but where it gets real ludicrous, as they said, you know, when the video came up, we took appropriate action and we're figuring out that things to do to make sure like it never happens again. And rightly so people are like, how did you take appropriate action when you didn't do anything at all? What? Like, he took the video down himself. <laughs> and you guys didn't release the statement until four or five days after this all went down. Um, and so, as far as we know, like, they said something about, like, taking, you know, uh, uh, there should be, you know, uh, that there were consequences and all this other kind of thing. But, you know, people looked at it and were like, what are these consequences that you put down uh, for this because he's still on YouTube. Um, 
he he imposed a break on himself in his last video he was like you know i'm going to take a few days to reflect there's not going to be a video for a couple of days because he used to you know put a video up every single day um he hasn't put one up in a few days and he was like i'm going to do that i'm going to take you know i'm going to impose a hiatus on myself so i can kind of reflect on what's going on and uh what i did and all that sort of thing so none of that had anything to do with anything YouTube did because they didn't do anything. Okay. Um, but now it sort of seems like they're taking this stance of like, oh, yeah, we rectified the situation. And uh, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, so it's a huge mess. Uh, it's going on. <laughs> I, just, I get a kick out of how many people are freaking out over it. I don't know. To me, it's funny. Like, you have that amount of time to, you know, rant and rave over somebody else's stuff. Like, okay. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, within the YouTube community, I you know, that that doesn't surprise me. Because, you know, there are a lot of people on that platform that have their own career doing just that. Doing the same thing he does. You know, they just have this daily vlog. I mean, these guys make, I mean, at least the, the successful mm. ones, make just crazy amounts of money. No, I remember you telling me the amounts of money they make. I'm all, what? Yeah. Uh, I think they estimated that in 2017, Logan Paul made something like $14 million on YouTube. Damn. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is, is that, like, this isn't going to affect Logan Paul, really, in the long run. Um, all this stuff, all the numbers and everything on YouTube for the most, other than actual like dollar amounts are, uh, they're, you know, public, they're publicly yeah. available. Mm-hmm. And so he had, uh, he had shown a bit of a drop off on his like daily subscribers during that time. And when I say drop off, we're talking about like, he used to get something like 60,000 subscribers a day. And then at one point at the lowest, it dropped down to, he was getting 14,000 subscribers a day. And now it's steadily increasing again. So he's back up, I think in the twenties, like 20,000 subscribers a day. And it's just going up and up and up and up and up. He's fine. He's going to be fine. There have been no consequences for him really. (laughs) Whatsoever. Yeah. Here's your consequence. Here's a boatload of cash. Yeah, and uh, he, he gets to take a few days off, essentially. Um, so the whole thing's just kind of crazy. Like I, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not uh, okay with the you know the whole situation of him filming a dead body. Yeah, a uh, recently yeah. dead body, and then putting it up on YouTube. Um, I mean, and. Thankfully, at least in his final apology, you know, he apologized. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure he apologized to, uh, you know, the family of the people, of the person. Uh, yeah, he had sent died. some, uh, never mind, uh, brain fart. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it just says... I don't know. I'm 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 really digging like a lot of these things that are coming out. You know, um, you know, self-produced stuff. Obviously, yeah, it's you know, great. Uh, it, it does grant a person a certain uh, amount of freedom. 
Mm-hmm. But God, don't be a douche. Yeah, don't be a douche about it. Yeah. And like I was watching some uh, some VH1 special with him in it, uh, or no, read an article about this guy, and it's you know they're you know being hyperbolic and you know contrarian for contrary sake just like oh let me see how crazy stuff i can say and see what happens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that kind of bugs me so yeah yeah for sure and you know i uh, uh i watch youtube a lot i watch youtube kind of like people watch tv you know i don't have cable i don't have network tv and that sort of thing i haven't i haven't for probably 10 years um but I, you know, I kind of got into YouTube. There's a lot of channels that I follow, a lot of the shows that I watch, um, and so that's that's kind of really. I I'm surprised that I managed to avoid knowledge of this guy for so long, considering how much time I do spend watching YouTube. It is um, pretty amazing. Yeah, but I think you know, as as I tend to be with most things, is that I <laughs> I kind of find my little bubble of shit that I like, and I don't stray very far from it, yeah. and. Um, Absolutely the same way. You know, it's like, oh, there's like five or six channels that I like. I don't need any more channels. Who needs more of that shit in their life? You know, <laughs> so I just watch that. You know, and I used to uh, do YouTube myself uh, for a while. There was a, a couple year period that I was doing some shit on YouTube. I had my own channel. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I thought I was kind of dialed into the YouTube culture uh, a little more than the average person, but maybe not. Um but one one guy that I uh, I do follow is a guy by the name of Philip DeFranco, and he's been doing YouTube since it started. Okay. And, uh, you know, and his his stuff has had uh, I actually didn't become a fan of his up until actually fairly recently because he was kind of a douchebag, and I didn't really particularly care for his content. But then you know he you know his stuff evolved, and he became more mature as he got older. You know, he got married, he had a couple of kids. And he wanted to, he basically wanted to kind of convert what he was doing into more of an informational, almost news-like uh, yeah. kind of thing. And so that's when I started watching it. And The blaze. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. Um, no, he just, he does a show, it's called the Philip DeFranco Show. And that's actually how I found, you know, uh, it was through his show that I found out about all this stuff going on. And but one of the things that he sort of talks about because he has he, what he does is he he doesn't just talk about stuff on YouTube he talks about news of the world and stuff that goes on on the internet and YouTube um, and then he presents the story in the most unbiased way he possibly can and then after that then he provides his opinion on it um, which I don't know I I like personally. Because it's like you can watch the stories and then turn it off <laughs> if you don't want to. If you don't want to. If you don't want to hear what he has to say about it, it's not like he goes off on rants or anything like that. He's just very much like, oh, oh well, this is just kind of what I think about the situation. Um, <laughs> but with him, he, uh, I, I did watch his sort of opinion on it. He did this, you know, when he covered the story because uh, I wanted to know his opinion on it. For him, him being yeah. a YouTube guy for so long, and kind of interesting and I hadn't thought about it is you know in no way was he ever defending Logan Paul and he made that clear right off the bat uh, but what he was saying is he was like he's like I'm not defending him but in a way I can kind of understand where he's at because in the situation of 
him becoming so successful so quickly, um, such a short amount of time. And his whole thing, his entire life revolves around content because he puts out a video every single day. Yeah. So at that point, like every sort, any sort of boundary tends to sort of fly out the window. And it's like everything is content. Everything is something that you can put up yeah. and get the views and make the money off of. And, you know, and Philip Franco said himself, he's like, I, I went through it. He's like, you just sort of lose sight of, of shit, of right and wrong and of, you know, who you might hurt or, you know, it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't even, like, occur to you until it happens. Um, and while he got a shitstorm... And rightfully so. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Sorry. You're gonna... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, and I'm not in the camp of people who are like, "Oh, he should be, you know, taken off of YouTube, like banned from YouTube, or, uh, you know, whatever." It's like, <laughs> I, I, I would echo, I think, what, what Philip DeFranco said, which is, I hope in this hiatus that he takes, that he says he's going to reflect and think about the situation. That he comes out the other side a better person, a better content creator, yeah, uh, wiser and more mature. Um, I hope that's the case. <laughs> I have very little confidence <laughs> that that will happen, but I sure well, you want con- you could want content. How about this boogers and farts? Nah. <laughs> Well, and then, you know, and then, and and part of it too is that, so YouTube has been, for the past couple, like, especially in 2017, but I think it started in 2016, they've gotten, they've taken some really weird actions, uh, and they've taken a lot of actions that have hurt, uh, content creators on YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, monetarily, and that was all sort of due to, you know, it was like freakouts, and then they just start blanket stuff. No. Um, there was, a, I had mentioned PewDiePie earlier. If you don't know who PewDiePie is, I barely know who the guy is. I know he plays games on YouTube. <laughs> um, my son watched a video of his and I saw like a portion of it and I was like, yeah, I don't really want you watching this guy. <laughs> so that was kind of my experience with PewDiePie. Uh, but he had his controversies last year because he had, uh, said some, uh, racist shit on his channel and, uh, you know, he caught a lot of flack for that. Um, way, way, way more than uh, Logan Paul. And, you know, I don't want to, like, equate or not equate or any of that kind of stuff. But it's just, it's a kind of interesting to watch, like, how, you know, it's like, these YouTube people are fucking up. YouTube's fucking up. <laughs> it's, it's all just kind of very fascinating, especially kind of on the outside looking in. Well, the thing about YouTubers, especially the viewers, they're gonna they're gonna destroy anything that they can get their hands on. Sure. Yeah. I'm mad. Right. What are you mad about? Being mad. <laughs> You're mad about being mad. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because it's like, I think YouTube, for the most part, like its main demographic is probably people aged like. 13 to, like, 22. Yeah. For the most part. Um, When you're discovering yourself and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're mad, 
Because you have to do personal math. And you forgot to carry the one. So you're all, meh! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you, what? (laughs) (laughs) What do you hate? Everything! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've got hormones raging, just leave me be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and I think maybe that's why I managed to stay in my little bubble. Mm. Is because I I don't tend to watch those sort of things. You know I I watch. Uh, you know I'm. You know everybody knows that I'm into movies and video games and yeah. that sort of thing. And so there's that sort of microcosm in in YouTube around those. But then even within that, there's another microcosm which is like, dude, Marvel can't keep up with this multiverse. Right, right. But it's like, there's the, well, there's like the big one where it's like, you know, guys screaming into microphones playing video games, which I don't watch. Yeah. And that's the huge thing, you know? Leroy Jenkins, baby. Yeah. Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, I watch stuff about video games, but yeah. I tend to watch people, like, there are guys on YouTube who make legitimate, like, documentaries about, you know, uh, like, video game culture, the industry, um, and that's the kind of stuff that I'll watch. Yeah. You know, is it's like, oh, there's this game that I remember from when, you know, from the Nintendo. Like, here's a documentary about the making of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. And like, so that'll yeah, yeah. I'll watch that. But no, no, my kids are the same way. They're, they're, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, I'm like, what are you doing? Watching a video? About what? Oh, I'm watching a video of a guy playing a video game. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that, I was like. Turn that shit off. <laughs> Find something else to watch. I was like, because we would get pissed. We all had that friend, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, you're you know you're crashing at your buddy's place. You're 15. <laughs> yeah, he's playing. He's playing. He's playing. And like, and, and you're like, oh, um, well, now you gotta turn. Oh, just one more time, bro. Just one more time. Just yeah. one more time. Then, 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 no. Then you. Oh no! One more time. <laughs> yeah. Just let me get to the next level. Yeah. And and when you just like, oh, I'm just I'm sitting here watching my buddy play a fucking video game. <laughs> and now there's YouTube channels dedicated to this. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> what's What's your channel called? Watch me play Call of Duty. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is it, which I think is another like really interesting. Um, evolution of entertainment uh, that I don't think anybody saw coming because it's, it's that uh, it's the react uh, uh, entertainment yeah. in that like there's a, there's a channel that's literally it's called the react channel and they just take people of different demographics and then they show them things or let them play things and then they they just film their reaction to it and that's the video. Um, and, you know, I'll admit, I've seen a couple of them, and I've been entertained by yeah, a couple of them no, here no. and there, depending on how well it's produced or not. <laughs> but it just... <laughs> you know, it's like if it's if it's some dickhead in his bedroom with an iPhone, you know, filming himself, you know, watching, you know, the Star Wars trailer. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, it, just, it, just cra- it just cracks me up because of, you know... We're watching people react to things. And the thing like with like the video game channels where it's literally just you're watching somebody 
play a video game. Mm-hmm. They're not giving you any insight or... Right, right. <laughs> They're like, check it out. Oh, no. We're in the beaches at Normandy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, like... Sergeant I can... Asher. I'm like, who's Asher? That's oh, my middle name. <laughs> i got to keep a little bit of anonymity. Yeah, right, right. Everybody finds out their name anyway. Um, no, I mean, it's like I can handle, you know, I'll, I'll admit I'll watch some on occasion when it's like a, first of all, if I can, if I see the thumbnail of the video and it's like five minutes long, there's a plus for them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's only five minutes. So that means that they've, they've played the game. They've made their comments and their jokes and all that stuff. And then they sat down and they did the work of cutting Cutting it together, taking the highlights, and then making an entertaining product. So you, you take the whole professional approach to it, like, I can appreciate this. I can appreciate that. But when it's guys like, oh, watch me play Call of Duty, part 14, and it's just them playing through the whole game. It's 23 minutes. And they post the whole thing. No, And some of those are even like, oh, it's an hour and 46 minutes, part 16. Like, is every part this long? Yes, they are. Does Who he... watches this shit? And and you do. You look at the you look at the uh, the view count, and these guys sometimes have view counts in the millions. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I guess I get the same way with like, you know, with the very social media platforms I'm on. And it'd be like, you want to know a secret to get chiseled abs? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Turn it on. And it's like, now you're just a little patient. At the end of this presentation, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Right. However, it's 32 minutes long. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> right. I'm a parent. I don't have 32 minutes. Right. If you're not giving me something cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I was watching YouTube last night, and I watched a video, I think it was about 26 minutes or something like that. And it was just, the video was about the, because uh, I didn't even know that there was a uh, quote-unquote controversy. But apparently, uh, when Alexander the Great died, there's there was some... Uh, controversy that he's contra- possibly poisoned. Possibly poisoned. And I, I actually wasn't even aware of that. So it was like this little mini documentary about that. And so I watched that. Like, that's the kind of shit I watch on YouTube. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so maybe that's why I'm, I'm, I was able to sort of stay in my bubble in that that's the kind of content that I consume on YouTube, which is probably, like, the bottom of the list as far as popularity (laughs) um because it's all just sort of dominated by these like guys screaming into microphone gaming channels there's guys screaming into microphones about movies there's a whole bunch of those um a bunch of people yelling into the microphone about politics about politics if you if you switch the letters around like this then that's the ancient sumerian symbol for Satan. Right, yeah. That's why Bernie Sanders is tool of the devil. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, other big ones are, like, makeup tutorials. <laughs> Apparently one of the biggest channels on YouTube is actually these parents and their little kid, and they, every couple of days, they give their the kid, like, a new toy. 
they buy a new toy for him? Oh, no, there's a whole one. Oh, man, I can't even remember the name of it now. It's like three kids, and they all have nicknames. They don't use their real names. And they ended up getting sponsored Mm -hmm. by all these toy companies. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, help me. Help a brother out. I'll film the hell out of my kids. (laughs) Yeah, it's little kids reviewing toys. Yeah, Yeah. like, oh, yeah. This is fun. These toys are great. It's Oh, a mystery box? Yay! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of weird shit. Um, yeah, like, like the, the, the one my kids watch, it's it's three kids, and usually their mom, And but it's, you know, like one's named like Frog Face, and the other one's Pooter Scooter, or, I don't know, right, yeah. they all have weird nicknames, I'm like, jeez, man, these kids just opened up $300 <laughs> worth of freaking toys. At the minimum, it was $300. Right. Like oh, but it was inside a mystery egg, so it was a mystery. <laughs> yeah, but they but they made thousands upon thousands of dollars on that video alone. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> like all toys provided by Toys R Us yeah, and yeah. Hasbro. Yeah, they need to buy the toy. They're all yeah. fuck you, Toys R Us. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. if you weren't paying out money to these people, the prices would be a little bit lower at the store. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, since we're on Toys R Us, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Put some fucking toys in Toys R Us, goddammit. <laughs> there should be... Your Toys R Us. There should not be clothes. <laughs> there should not be bicycles. And cribs. DVDs. <laughs> you know, DVD, DVDs I can I can get with. Well, I can, get, I can, I can understand it if it was like... And video games I can get with. Like, like, with the DVDs, I can understand, you know, if it was like, here's the first season of Arthur yeah. on DVD. But when it's like, you can walk into Toys R Us and you can, you know, buy a, a copy of, you know... Django Unchained. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> How'd this happen? Bring back Jeffrey and put toys in that store, please. Exactly. <laughs> but, so, all this long ranty ravey about Logan Paul is what we decided we were going to talk about the forest. Uh, Akigahara Forest, which is also known as the Suicide Forest, if you didn't know. Um, uh, I think a lot of people, maybe they're... Uh, introduction to it was from a horror movie that came out a couple years ago called The Forest starring uh, Lola Bunny from Game of Thrones uh, and it's a garbage garbage film uh, but the movie is about that it's about uh, uh, this woman who uh, what, is what is her name Natalie Dormer, Dormer I always call her Lola Bunny because she looks like the, uh, the the female rabbit in uh, Space Jam <laughs> Lola Bunny um but uh, uh, in, in the movie is about this woman who goes looking for her sister who had gone to visit this forest in Japan, which is in real life notorious for um, hundreds of people go to this forest every year and kill themselves. Yes. Uh, that's why it's called Suicide Forest. So uh, just put a pin in it for a second. Sure. I'm, I'm, I want to tell everybody it's like this is something you know, we do want to talk about because it is spooky. You know, that, that somebody gets to the point of desperation to where they, you know, end up giving themselves a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Right. Um, 
And so before we go any further, I just want to say that, you know, if anybody's listening, the National Suicide Prevention Line is 1-800-273-8255. It's manned 24-7-365. If you are having thoughts of suicide, please call that number and talk to somebody. Call that number, call your friends, call your family, call You call see the me on police. the street, grab me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call, yeah. Absolutely. Walk walk right up to a hospital. Exactly. Uh, and they will they'll take you in and give you help. Like uh yeah, I, I we do I definitely wanna you know, spooky the spooky podcast is you know, we're a comedy podcast and we, we laugh about stuff and we make light of things. But this is something that we are not in any way, shape or form making light of today. Uh, and we will never make light of suicide on this podcast. Definitely not. Um, so as we're kind of talking about this, there's probably going to be, you know, we, we do make light of things, but understand that we're not, especially if you're in that spot, like we are not making fun of you. We are not, um, we, we support you not in doing anything like that uh, yeah. and getting help. <laughs> and please, please do that. Uh, I think, uh, well, because I, I know me for sure, but I'm pretty sure Shane over here, we've we've all been touched by suicide. We've all yes. we've all been mm. savaged by it, and um, that's important for us to know. Um, so call we, that number. there there may be a couple chuckles, yeah, with some of the the obscure things on here, but please call yeah. the number, call the police, walk up to a hospital, anything. 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 All right? Uh, Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and in fact, you know, most, much of what I want to talk about, about the suicide forest, uh, I, me personally, at least with the research that I've done and the stuff that I've, you know, I've kind of prepared to talk about, is really more around kind of the lore and um, the supposed supernatural stuff around the area. Um, well, it's 13 miles from Mount Fuji, right? Northwest of Mount Fuji, right? Um, yeah, and, and it's a scary-looking forest. Yeah, it really is. And I guess, I guess, the whole thing with it is, is that it's very, very easy to get lost in there. Um, well, it's pretty dense. Yeah, so I can because, imagine you losing sight of the horizon. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes you know they'll find they'll find bodies in the forest that apparent you know like there's no like there there isn't even like apparent like suicide. I mean, obviously, when you find if you find someone like hanging from a tree or you know, and it's like okay, those people committed suicide. But there's there's possibilities that some of those bodies are literally just people that got lost and couldn't find their way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, they weren't even that far from. Uh, the exit, you know, far from the border of the forest itself uh, into civilization, uh, which is really sad too. I guess uh, I watched a while ago, I guess it was probably about a year, a uh, year or two ago, Vice had done a uh, mini documentary on the forest where um, there, I guess there's a couple of people, I think they're volunteers, that uh, there's, there's a one gentleman in particular, I can't remember his name, but he... Uh, Every day he goes out to the forest, and <clears throat> the entire purpose of it, he volunteers to go out there and um, 
you know, see, is you know, try and locate any bodies he can find. But more importantly, he goes to find, try and find people who are in the forest who may be contemplating suicide and then trying to talk them out. Um, and so they, it was just like a 20 or 30 minute documentary where they kind of followed him through in, in the documentary itself. I think they found a body. Um, but unlike Logan Paul, they never showed it. Uh, and I think in one scenario there, he did find, he did find a guy who was there in a tent and the guy never outright said that he was contemplating suicide, but you could kind of tell that he, he was. And the guy managed to kind of talk him down and get him to leave. Um, but it's so dense and it's so freaky. And, uh, there's, they, they showed in the documentary, it was showing that like, there's these, uh, these ropes, these different colored ropes. They're constantly, you could just, they're, they're wrapped around trees and they're all over the place because people will, uh, because they know how easily it is, easily you can get lost is that they'll tie a rope to uh, a tree as they're coming in and then sort of trail the rope with them. Yeah. As they walk so that they can find their way back out, you know, kind of, you know, a, a breadcrumb trail basically, but with a rope. Uh, and there are so many of those that are, uh, left, uh, because I guess some of the people that go for the purpose of killing themselves, you know, they at least have enough of a presence of mind of saying, maybe I won't do this. Well, that's one of the things that I came across on my research was that, um, people who take tents with them. Yeah. They're undecided. On yeah, the tents and the ropes, they're undecided, but they, yeah, so they, they, a lot of times they'll spend a couple of days in the forest sort of contemplating and deciding what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where that guy, that guy comes in, is he's trying to find them in that time so that he can, he, he can save them. Yeah. Uh, the guy's a hero, as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. I mean, he's, it's not like he's getting paid by the government to do this or by anybody to do this. He does this voluntarily every single day. Um, he, he goes in there trying to save lives. So uh, it's on Vice. I'm sure you could probably find it on the YouTube channel. Uh, is where I watched it. So if you <laughs> just go to the Vice Just don't YouTube. pay any attention to the 13-year-old's comments. Yeah. You're a booger. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, uh, kind of in my research, one of the main things I was trying to find, and I guess I could never really, I could never really nail down was I wanted to, I wanted to see if anybody had any idea, any theories or any sort of information on why this area, uh, has turned into that sort of like how it became the spot for that. Yeah, like what what drew it to it? Yeah, you know, or draws people to it. Closest thing I could find is uh, something about a large iron mass, and uh, so it totally plays, you know, havoc on your cell phones, GPS systems. Mm-hmm. and even compasses. So there's like a, a large iron deposit there, which, if we remember back to the Haunted Mesa, that was the same thing. There was a large iron mass there as well. Right, right. Huh. But this is, you know, some believe, you know, and I, I hate using terms like that, some believe that, you know, 
the the uh, the iron is proof that demons. Oh right, right. Are there? So I don't know. Maybe it's like an association with hell because iron is molten. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know when it comes up from the from the core. So. I mean, this is a pretty fascinating thing. One of the things that they've done since 1970 is they have annual searches where a group of people will go out and they'll get off the trails right. and see what they can find. Right, okay. And, <clears throat> you know, the the forest is supposedly haunted, well, obviously, because when it comes to hauntings... You know, people who die in tragic circumstances. Um, you know, their spirit hangs around, and well, it's the suicide forest. So, you right, know. right. Well, what you know, what I did kind of find was that um, there are, there are some legends uh, in the area that, um, kind of in ancient times, um, families would, uh, especially during like when there were like periods of like. Uh, famine or drought mm-hmm. uh they would take like family members literally like like uh especially mainly older older people or uh sick people who they just couldn't take care of them and they would abandon them in the forest uh no i could you know just sort of like well we can't kind of like the inuit and that would ship the the elderly and the sick off on a on a little sheet of ice right right um yeah and so you know and of course they have those legends that you know the uh uh the souls of those people are you know haunt the forest and you know maybe have something to do with you know the uh the draw of how why people are drawn there uh one thing i did find uh which I didn't like because what they said was is that this is the concrete origin of why this happens, and I don't know if that's necessarily because because they've had those legends around the place for so long. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't go so far as to say this is a concrete origin, uh, but apparently in uh, the uh, the 1960s, I think it was actually 1960. There was a book that was published. Uh, which translates the, the the title of the book is translates to Black Sea of Trees. It's about the forest itself, and in the book, by the end of it, there's a couple who both commit suicide in the forest. Yeah, it's like a, a romantic tale, right? Right, was, right. You know. And uh, they it's 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 been recorded that ever since that book was released, like when that book was released, there was an uptick in people committing suicide in the forest. Um, off of that book. Uh, and then I guess in, I also found that in 1993, there was a book that came out that was called the complete suicide manual. Um, and in that book, uh, the book actually recommends the forest as a place to kill yourself. Um, they, they call it the perfect place to die. So... Uh, oh, I guess they saw another beautiful. uptick. After yeah. that. Very beautiful. Well, what was kind of interesting about it is, like, through various research, I found that, so, because of the density of the forest itself, there's, like, uh, the place is pretty much, like, soundproof. Um, well, that's true. If you spend any time in, in the woods, especially woods that dense, yeah, 
It's quiet. Yeah, super quiet. And what also adds to it is that there's virtually no wildlife in the forest, too. Because it's so dense, it's not really a place where... Conducive for wildlife. It's not conducive for wildlife, yeah. Uh, So wildlife just doesn't really live there. So that adds to... When you're in the forest, it's already that quiet because it's so dense. And then with no wildlife making noise, it makes it even that much more quiet. Uh, which just sounds crazy. Like, Ugh. like just, it, it just sounds crazy to be like, to experience that, you know, it'd almost be like, you know, sensory deprivation. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd get you know, like some, like, you know, you'd obviously get, you know, probably visual mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, smell. Right. Uh, Overload, but then you're not hearing anything. You're not hearing birds chirping in the trees, or you know, yeah. a, a deer frolicking. Yeah, yeah, crunch of leaves and things like that. Um, just seems so. I don't know. It's totally crazy. Uh, and I guess the trees themselves are uh, like they're very thick trees. Uh, and Some are like 300 years old. Yeah, they're super old. They're really thick. Um, the canopy that's kind of sort of created with the trees is like, uh, 10 feet up. So you can't really see the sky and that's really not that high, 10 feet in, in a lot of areas. It's just like, you just look up 10 feet up and it's just leaves and branches. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's, you know, just sort of thinking about that sort of scenario. I mean, if you were in that sort of headspace, and then you go go to this place, and it's so. I mean, you know, and that starts pretty much right off, like right when you go in. Well, especially like if if you've ever been to Japan, you know, I especially it, uh, especially the big cities, it, it, they're very bustling, they're very noisy, right? And, um. So maybe that's just like some of this, like a weird, surreal calmness just washes over them yeah, when, just this, when uh, they get out there. And they're like, oh, finally I can do it. Because the suicide rate in Japan is very high as it is. Right. It's a very high-pressure society. Right. And, you know, um, it's still very steeped in tradition of, you know, if you do something, you know, shady, it's dishonorable and... You know, you bring shame upon your family. And, right. And that can stick to your family for generations in some in some cases, depending on what it is. Right. You know, or, you know, or you fail. You right. know, you're going to law school and you didn't pass that last final. It's a bigger deal there than it is here in the States. Sure, sure. And, and then, like you said, with, like, you know, and I haven't been there personally myself, but, you know, obviously I've... I've seen a lot of, you know, media and documentaries and things like that about the areas. And yeah, it's, it seems to me it's like, you know, uh, like Tokyo would be like, I've been to New York and I couldn't, I, I, I imagine that like being in Tokyo is not that dissimilar, uh, as far as like, as far as like the energy of, you know, yeah. the bustle of it and, uh, with so many people, so many things going on. And then so thinking about getting into this scenario or being in this place where it's that quiet, it's that 
dense. I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine the the sense of isolation you would probably have literally walking 20 feet into this forest. Um, I mean, you know, I, I felt, I, you know, I felt like this foreboding sense of, uh, you know, isolation and loneliness, just barely going into some of the forests in North Carolina that I've been to. And <laughs> so, and my understanding of it is in, in, uh, Akigahara, it's like, you know, it being that much more, Isolating, it starts to kind of make a little bit more sense thinking about someone who might be in that headspace. Because I've been in that headspace, you know, I'll I'll admit it. Uh, I think a lot of us have. And um, thinking about myself in that headspace, I probably would not have uh, been... What's the word I'm looking for? It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have turned. Probably wouldn't have turned out very well. Uh, if if I had been in, in in that sort of place, in that kind of headspace, you know what I mean. Yeah, one of the one of the things I do like what the the Japanese government has uh, done is they they post signs inside the forest. Yeah, I guess they're everywhere. Yeah, right? and it says your life is a precious gift from your parents and. Please consult with the police before you decide to die. Right. So they put these things up here. I mean, this is a very dark subject, and that's what makes it spooky. Yeah. Is it, it's it's a real thing. Right. It, it's yeah, and and I and I guess you know, and that's why we're kind of approaching it in a very different manner than we tend to approach everything else. Um, really, really, just more of a, of a fact finding uh, thing we're doing right now more than anything. Um, yeah, and it's. Um, I mean, it is. I mean, that and there's there's going to be. Um, I think there. I think it's pronounced Yugi, okay, which is uh, uh, Japanese demons and spirits and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, you know, paranormal entities. Yeah, that haunt the forest. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I'm pretty sure it's Yugi, and I, you know, and I'm not saying this to make light of anything, but it's like, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, uh, that's where that that comes from. Because the oh, idea, really? The, the idea the idea behind it really is is that like the, the in in that in that show and in that game, it's like they're summoning those uh-huh. uh, Japanese demons and spirits and all that kind of stuff to do their fighting or whatever. Um, there, you know, I've I found that you know in in my very limited sort of experience, like uh, we've discussed this before, as I, I, I I've not. I've never been a big fan of anime up until recently. Yeah. And but I've always been sort of fascinated with the Japanese culture and stuff and they it 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 appears to me that they're a lot more uh kind of open and accepting about their their folklores and their like as far as the the dark stuff. Um they're 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 a lot more open about it, I guess, is the best way I can say, is that, you know, we tend to, you know, in Western culture is it's like, you know, we have our ideas about, you know, ghosts and demons and all that sort of thing, but that's all very kind of regulated to, you know, scary movies and Halloween and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's all for like scares. Whereas with them is that's, it's, it seems like it's more of, they've kind of integrated it more into their everyday life where it's not as 
a big a deal as we make it. Okay. Is it's just like, oh yeah, there's these, you know, there's these demons that run around and do this stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, and, and they'll, they'll put it into like kids shows and they'll put it into like uh, <laughs> young people, uh, lit, you know, literature. literature and stuff like that. It's, I mean, Pokemon, for example, like literally is short for pocket monsters. Like they're supposed to be monsters. Yeah. Um, but kind of their interpretation of the term is sort of different than ours. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily something to be afraid of. Um, no, it's just something that's not human or, right. uh, you know. Yeah, they seem to have a bit more of an, accept, an acceptance to the unexplainable or the unusual than we do. And I could be totally fucking wrong about that. I don't know. That's just kind of what I've gleaned from, you know, my uh, experiences and what I've what I've seen and learned. Well, so. so here's a strange tradition that the forest workers do when they find a body. Okay. They'll take the body and they'll take it back to, you know, their base where they have a special room for the deceased. Mm-hmm. Then all the forest workers play a game called uh, Jenkin. Okay. And whoever loses that game has to spend the night with the corpse. Hmm. Not in like some weird, you know, yeah, yeah. necrophilic type thing yeah, yeah they just have to stay in the room with it yeah just kind of because if you it, yeah. don't what ends up happening is because you know these people they believe that the, these people died because they were lonely in some aspect of their life right and so if there's nobody there yeah for the corpse the corpse reanimates itself uh-huh. and screams throughout the night until it gets company. Ah. So they play a game and <laughs> losers got to hang out with the corpse. Huh. So yeah. I thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, that is pretty fascinating. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of sweet in a way. Yeah, it is sweet in a way. It is, it, it is a dark sweetness, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That, okay, well, you know, you had to die alone, but you're not going to be dead alone. You know, until yeah. we can get the corpse transferred to, you know, family members or right, right, whomever. So, however many days it is, whoever loses that game, because it's not like they're pulling like you know mass quantities of bodies out of here. I mean, the right, right, you know, you know but they do find upwards of a hundred or more. Right, you know, right. Well, and that, and that's and, another thing that I think is a misconception with the forest too, is because a lot of people do say that it's like the number one. Uh, you know, place where people commit suicide in the world. And that's actually not true. It's number two. Uh, number one is actually the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Well. Uh, because I think it's, I, I, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's something around like 500 people a year kill themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, as opposed to the around 100 to 200 in Akihara. Uh, which, you know, that's, uh, that's a, a, a sad and also fascinating uh, thing too. If you've ever seen the documentary The Bridge, uh, which is about that, mm-hmm. came out a few years ago. That's what probably one of the toughest things I've ever watched. Uh, it's about people who, who you know kill themselves. Uh, and again, San Francisco 
again, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, okay, the last thing I want to see is something pretty. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that can, can that can, that. Uh, that can, like, that can uh, contribute to yeah. where so, you're at when you're in that hit space. And they usually just jump to their death, right? Right. Yeah. Because yeah, jumping you know, off the fish. impact's going to kill you. Because the number one in the forest is obviously hanging. Right. But one of the crazy things, too, is they find multiple nooses that don't have bodies right. hanging from them. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the forest has also saved a lot of people's lives. But it's not like the, the you know, people that went in there to go kill themselves and then came out changing their mind aren't going to, like, tell their, <laughs> you're not going to sure. tell your mom. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, when I said I went camping, I was actually going to go kill myself. Yeah, but I changed you know, my mind. Maybe they did. Maybe. You know. It's possible. Um, but, yeah, so they find they find numerous nooses that haven't been used right. hanging from the trees. And I thought that was kind of fascinating, too. And that's that's a strange, that's, an, uh, you know, it sounds weird to say it, but that's, that's a strangely sweet thing. It, yeah. To, to see that yeah it's it's kind of weird to sort of look at it as positive you know but it's like but yeah i mean an empty noose in that scenario would be a positive yeah because it's not like you know and I, I know, i'm not trying to get real real dark about it but i mean it's just reality of the situation is it's like you know my my first thought would be you know well maybe maybe there was a body in that noose but uh, you know, well, as dense animal, as the like forest an, is, you, yeah. you know. But since there are really no animals there, that's really not a situation that would really happen. So you would, you would look at an empty news like that as a positive. Is, is that okay? Someone had to change their mind. At least I would, I would try and justify it in my head that way of trying to look at it, look at it as a positive, for sure. Uh, but you know, there is, there is a a, a lot of there's. There's a lot of uh, scavenging people, people scavenging in the forest. They go there for the sole purpose of trying to find uh, those campsites, find those bodies, and see what whatever kind of valuables that might have been left behind, which is just sickening. Um, and then the other thing that I, I you know, I, I had kind of a, a visceral reaction to in the research that I wasn't expecting was kind of getting into... Trying, trying to learn more about origins and folklore, you know, I came across a lot of, uh, like, stories of people people stating that, you know, they've, uh, like, there was a woman, there's a story of a woman who went into the forest for whatever reason. She didn't go to kill herself, and so she did the thing with the rope so she could find her way out, and she said that at one point the rope was cut, Uh and, you know, and then people are like, oh, this might be the spirits of the forest trying to keep you there or make you commit suicide or, you know, or, you know, the people saying, you know, they're seeing ghosts and, you know, or seeing like essentially zombies walking around, that sort of thing. And like, while I kind of understand, especially with a place like that and that with that kind of history and the things that go on in there, that people would have those kind of stories, I got I sort of got this visceral reaction of reading them feeling like those stories were almost exploitative. In what sense? In the sense of, like... Well, I mean, obviously I'm not a type of person who believes ghost stories 
or stories of seeing The Walking Dead or uh, stuff like that. And then so I think to myself, okay, well, so if this person makes this up, why? Like, and, and that's something with any any of these, any ghost stories anywhere or, or any of these kind of things, I'm like, why do people do that? And it's generally for attention. Yeah. And I got, I guess, just in this particular case, it's... I, I, I got a little angry. I felt I, I got angry at someone who would exploit that to get mm. attention for themselves. Yeah, and, you know, and, and and which is not to say that you know there. I'm sure there are scenarios of some, someone who's in the forest and they maybe they heard something or they saw something in the corner of their eye, and those are the conclusions that they drew. And they you know, and they, when they tell this story, they're not doing it for that purpose of like just getting attention. They're literally they're literally like, yeah, I saw something. Yeah, and it freaks me out, and this is what it looked like, or whatever. Like, fine. Fair enough. But for the people that are just yeah. trying to get attention for themselves, generally I don't get mad about that. This one I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And understandable, because, I mean, there's tangible proof. I mean, there's, you know... Yeah. <laughs> there's records of how many bodies they've found. Right. And... Yeah. No, it's a, it's a tragic thing, and the, anybody that exploits tragedy, uh, just uh, yeah, it's like why would you, why, you know, uh, of all things to gain attention, why would you insert yourself into this? Yeah, awful, awful thing. So yeah, I, you know, and I might have had to do. You know, I was talking about early, you know, early on the podcast, my. My week has not been that great, so I haven't been in like the <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> the greatest the, of moods either. So you know that might have had something to do with it as well. But well, I just want to encourage people that there there is a Vice documentary on the forest. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah, check it out. I've seen it. It's um, it's really good. It's it's fascinating. Um, uh, and again, if you're if you're struggling with depression and you think that the only way out is through suicide. Please call somebody, anybody. Yeah. Call nine one one. Yeah. Call the the suicide prevention hotline. Talk to somebody. Talk to anybody. Right. Right. Because because uh, the one thing I will say because you know I admitted a little earlier that you know I've been in that headspace before. One thing that I did learn from that experience is that, um, no matter how alone you feel. You're not. And people in general want to help. And it doesn't matter if they know you or not. People generally are willing to help you. Yeah. And that's why they have those resources. And, you know, whichever whichever route you want to take to get that help, you'll, you will find friendly faces and understanding faces and... Mm. You know, because a lot of us have been there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, and, you know, maybe you do get told, no, I'd love you. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> or not allowed. I mean, it's really not, you really don't give permission for these type of things. But, yeah, but you know, no, just you, you'll be surprised that if you're in a bad, if you're in a bad place and suicide ever crosses your mind, the the best thing is is to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anybody. Yep. 
I'll even go as far as say talk to a preacher. Yeah, fine. Yeah, talk to somebody. Anybody. Your life has value, and a like I said before, a permanent solution is not worth you know your uh, temporary problem. Yeah, it's it's just not worth it. No matter no matter how no matter how lonely, isolated, awful you feel, like you're, it's not that bad. And I, and I almost say that, and like saying that, that almost sounds dismissive and I don't mean it that way. I mean it as you're not, you're not perceiving things no, as they are. You can strive and you can strive and overcome. And sometimes it takes a little bit of help. Yep. Yeah. You know? What was that? What was that band? They sang something. It was uh, uh, I get by with a little help from my friends. What band was that? Uh, that'd be the Beatles. That would be the Beatles. The who? The Beatles. Never heard of them. Yeah, they were kind of obscure. <laughs> <laughs> but again, well, uh, so I think we're kind of gonna end it on kind of that. Uh, but uh, we'll end it with we're gonna give you that number again. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is what it's called. It's 1-800-273-8255. They're there 24 hours a day. There's always someone there to talk to you. And, you know, if you don't even want to hear someone's voice, because I've felt that too, um, you can go on their website and they'll talk with you online. They'll they'll chat with you uh, in a chat window, if that's what you'd prefer to do. So that's available as well. Um, So, yeah, I think we can kind of end this one. Yeah. Uh, on that. Sorry, it was a little somber, but I think it's kind of important, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, we'll come back with the funny next week. Yep. Yep. So, we here at Spooky, we love you. And uh, thanks for uh, listening to us. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.